0: Hello and welcome. Has it been 200 years already? Ask a Seminole today and he'd probably tell you it's 200 years too many. The 200 years, American possession of Florida. July 10th of this year will mark 200 years since the transfer of power and ownership from Spain to the United States. The act of transfer is the moment when Spain gave possession of Florida to the United States. The Seminole sided with the Spanish in the so-called Patriots War of 1812. Now, nine years later, the Spanish were leaving and the Patriots were arriving. This would usher in a bitter harvest for the Seminole in Florida. Treaties with the U.S. government would follow, prohibiting the Seminole from trading with anyone else than Americans. This was constrictive since the Seminole had traded very freely while the Spanish controlled Florida. They had a hands-off policy for Seminole trading. And now, trade only with the Americans. That was just the first of the unpleasant outcomes from the transfer of power on July 10th, 1821. On Saturday, July 10th, 2021, at 11 a.m., the Florida Historic Militia will provide a living history interpretation of the transfer ceremony. This will be done in front of the Governor's House Museum in St. Augustine. There will be Spanish and United States troops, dignitaries, and townspeople, all dressed in period gear from 1821. Declarations will be made, documents will be signed, and keys to the city will be exchanged then the living history interpreters will march to the florida national guards parade grounds on marine street there the change of flag ceremony will take place and will include cannon and musket firing in this episode the organizer of the 1821 commemoration joins us she is maria alvarez she and her husband Bob Alvarez run the Historic Florida Militia, or HFM, a nonprofit umbrella organization supporting recreated historical interpretive units and representing a number of cultures and time periods in Florida. Now, let me translate that to English. The Historic Florida Militia are living history interpreters composed of historic reenactor groups, including the Men of Menendez, representing the 16th century Spanish soldiers and settlers, Drake's Men, representing the 16th century British combatants, Seals, Buccaneers, representing the 17th century British soldiers and settlers, and the East Florida Rangers, representing the 18th century British settlers, soldiers, and government officials. Maria Alvarez, welcome to the Seminole Wars.
1: Hi, how are you, Patrick?
0: All is well, Maria. All right, 1821, you've got our attention. What is it, and why is it important?
1: Okay, the event is the 1821 commemoration of Florida becoming a U.S. territory. It's significant because this is a bicentennial, 200 years, we may not be around for 300 years, but it's just a big thing for Florida actually to become the territory eventually leading to statehood in 1845. So we felt it was very important to do a reenactment and to commemorate this event.
0: I should note the event at the Governor's House Museum is on 48 King Street in St. Augustine. And on July 9th and 10th, there'll be a historic encampment at the Fountain of Youth Park, which is located at 11 Magnolia Street. And you can get into it for free admission if you enter through the Myrtle Avenue entrance. But only via the Myrtle Avenue entrance. Okay, back to our episode. Maria, why in St. Augustine?
1: Why us in St. Augustine? Because in St. Augustine, the documents were signed on July 10th 1821, at our government house, which would actually hand over Florida, East Florida, to the U.S. So we felt it was important that we have, we actually have documents that tell us exactly what took place that day. So we felt it was important for us to reenact that document to show people how the transition came about, how Florida actually became a territory.
0: Now, Maria, I've introduced you, but for the record, what is the Florida Historic Militia?
1: The Historic Florida Militia, a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, is a historical interpretation and reenactment company founded in 1981. Through the years, our goal has always been to provide true historical account of 16th 17th, 18th Century St. Augustine, and La Florida. We achieve this goal through the use of interpreters and educational programs, portrayals, and living history encampments, publications, and military demonstrations. We promote education through volunteerism, and we present the past to the present for the future. Florida Militia is the largest living history group in St. Augustine. Probably throughout Florida. We consist of about between 125-200 members. We do historical interpretation and reenactments. We do interpretive and educational programs. We portray and living history encampments. And we do publications and military demonstrations. We actually travel all over Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia... Alabama, and Tennessee to do different events for people. We have several companies. Historic Florida Militia is the parent company. And then we have other companies doing DBAs. So Menna Menendez is a 16th century company. And then Drake's Men is a 16th century company as well. Seals Buccaneers is a 17th century company and St. Augustine Garrison is an 18th century company. We portray colonial history from 1565 up to 1763, which is the first Spanish period.
0: I find what you do fascinating and, and nearly essential to get somebody to have the real image from an interpretation of a historical period of note.
1: We present the history true to form. We don't cover up anything, and we feel it's important for people to understand how this history began, St. Augustine being the oldest continually occupied European settlement in the United States. So it's really important for us to keep that history alive, and we have been dedicated to do this for quite a number of years. This company, Historic Florida Militia, was established in 1981. So there have been people doing this for many years. My husband and I have just gotten involved. We're relatively new. We got involved in 2011. But we're both Hispanic descent, and we feel that it's important to keep this history alive. Once we started studying the history and actually saw what Pedro Menendez brought here and what that population was like, it was important for people to know that.
0: Americans, if they know anything, know St. Augustine belonged to Spain. What they don't know is how cosmopolitan the city was. One could argue people from all corners of the earth settled there, or at least traded.
1: That population was a very diverse group of people, almost like our society today. It was not just Spanish people. So it's important for people to understand that.
0: You assert a few things about Menendez and his arrival and conduct in establishing St. Augustine. How do you know this?
1: We know because Pedro Menendez kept great records. Those records are held in via Spain, and they're written in Old World Spanish. We have a professor who can read Old World Spanish, and he went over to read them. So that's how we found out that it wasn't only Spanish people that came. Anyone that was willing to travel with Pedro Menendez came on the boat. So there were Portuguese, there were Italians, there were Germans, there were Irish, there were Moors, there were Jews. So there was a whole group of people that came with them. So it's important for people to understand that this society was a free society when they came free. They did have enslaved people, but totally different than British slavery. They were not chattel slavery.
0: That's a key distinction.
1: Spanish slaves had rights. They could petition the government if they felt they were being treated unfairly. They were able to work on a day off and make their own money And then they could save that money and actually buy their freedom for their family. When a Spanish slave was sold, they were sold as a family. They were never broken up. So they were treated very differently than other enslaved populations. But the most important thing was not all black were slaves and not all slaves were black. So that's something that people don't understand. They were open to different people having souls and being the same type of people all around. They were all children of God. They were all created equals.
0: By no means was Menendez trying to set up a utopia in St. Augustine. He was trying to set up a viable colony for the Spanish crown. That being said, he had some good vision for the city.
1: When Pedro Menendez came, he wanted his men to fit in with society. So a lot of them were married into the indigenous population, which was Timuca, the Timuca Indians that were here in the village of Soloy. Just to keep that alive and to follow the Spanish history as it went along and what happened to these people, it was really important for us to know and for everyone to actually understand.
0: How steeped in the history and the craft are members of your company?
1: We are living history people, so we study history mm <laughs> When people can ask us questions, we can answer their questions honestly and transparently.
0: All right, Maria, bonus some details. Tell us about what's going on in each of the different reenactments throughout the year that you sponsor.
1: We do several reenactments. And one of our big ones is coming up in September, and that would be the landing, which is the day that Pedro Menendez put on quantum soil. And that's September 8th. So on September 4th, we reenact that the closest day to September 8th, and that will be September 4th. And what that entails is an actual landing. Landing. We call it Founder's Day, but it's an actual landing of Pedro Menendez coming ashore, portraying everything we know that happened, and then having a first Thanksgiving. Wait,
0: what? First Thanksgiving? Everybody knows the first Thanksgiving was... We
1: know that they had a Thanksgiving celebration with the indigenous people that were here. So those are two events that we've portray in September. And then we also portray Drake's raid, which would have happened in 1586.
0: That scurvy sea dog, Drake? We call him Francis
1: Drake. He's actually Sir Francis Drake. He was an English privateer at the time. They were constantly trying to attack St. Augustine. He did attack St. Augustine. He burned down the village. The Spanish came back and rebuilt the village and stayed again. That was in 1586. The Spanish were resilient people, but this was a hard life in St. Augustine. They didn't have a lot of resources. They had to make do with what they had. It really wasn't an easy life. So the next reenactment is Cyril's sack of St. Augustine, and that's by the Cyril's buccaneers. And that was in 1668. Cyril captured a Spanish ship. He sailed in during the night under cover of a Spanish ship, and only as he got close to St. Augustine did the people realize that this was another British privateer. He actually burned down the city as well.
0: Maria, I can sense where you're going with this. In America, in Washington, D.C., the old executive office building burned down twice in the 1800s. The third time they built it with no wood except for the doors and the desks. Still going strong about 160 years later. How about St. Augustine and its port?
1: The most important thing about St. Robert Cyril was the Spanish realized that they had burned down nine forts and they had to constantly rebuild the fort. So Queen Mariana asked the viceroys of the Indies to contribute money to St. Augustine to build a masonry fort. 1672, the Castillo de San Marcos was started to be built and it was finished in 1695. So it's the oldest masonry fort on the continental United States. Right now, we do reenactments in the Castillo.
0: I've been there for the Spanish cannon firing at noon. They went through the whole manual of arms, but they did it in Spanish. I mean, I yelled out, speak English. This is America. But they just ignored me. Was I out of line? Well, when the Americans took over the Castillo, they renamed it Fort Marion. They didn't say, oh, well, it's a Spanish name. We'll keep it. No siree. They went right for a good old American English name, Fort Marion. I feel like I'm in Good company. So the Castillo. Listeners to the Seminole Wars podcast know the Castillo as both the Castillo and as Fort Marion. Fort Marion is where many Seminole were detained during the Second Seminole War. Osceola was kept there, Wildcat, among others. And they had a prison break from there. So as solid a fort as it was, they still found the way out.
1: The next organization would be St. Augustine Garrison in 1700, and they would actually have worked in the fort. By then, the fort was built. There was a city built next to the fort where the families would live. So because that fort is still there, it's really important for people to know why that fort is there, how that fort came about, and what that fort did with the city. That fort was never lost in a battle, and it always flies the Spanish flag. There are a few days a year that it actually flies an American flag, but it's the only national monument in the country that flies the Spanish territorial
0: flag. Since you're in the Spanish colonial period, I presume you've got a relationship with the living history interpreters from Fort Mose just north of the Castillo?
1: Um, Fort Mose is like a sister organization. They do our events, we do their events, and it's really important. Fort Mose was the first free black community in the United States. As early as the late 1600s, enslaved people were escaping and coming to St. Augustine because they knew they would be free. There were conditions, obviously. If you pledged allegiance to the king and you became Catholic, you were able to live in St. Augustine as a free person. In 1693, King Carlos said any slave black that was in St. Augustine was automatically free. So by 1738, they lived in Fort Mose and they were all free people. And Fort Mose is a big protector of the Castillo San Marcos. It was the northernmost protector. So we do go up to Fort Mose and just did the bloody battle of Mose. And we also do Flight to Freedom, which actually tells their story of escaping from plantations and making their way to St. Augustine, which was not an easy trip.
0: But what about the granddaddy of this all? Pedro Menendez.
1: We do what is called a saunter every month. And that is where we walk down our street, St. George Street, which is the main street. We do a timeline saunter. So we're dressed out in all different periods of clothing. And we talk to the visitors and we explain the history and why we are dressed the way we are. It's been going on for about three years now. Just really started up again doing saunters down St. George Street. And we have people that come because they know we are going to do it. It's on a calendar and people follow us on Facebook and they know when we're going to do this. And they actually come to St. Augustine to see us.
0: How is the public reception to this saunter? and everything else that you do.
1: The public is very enthusiastic about us. They're kind of surprised sometimes when we talk about history, things they don't know. So try and be factual about our say to people on St. George Street, especially when we do our saunters. And a lot of people are interested in the history. We teach them things. They ask us a lot of questions. We have some people that speak Spanish, so when we have Spanish-speaking people, they can actually identify with those people and talk to them.
0: As the Living History Interpreters, you have a choice between first person and third person. Which do your groups use?
1: We don't do first person. We relate a lot of what happened back in the 15, 16, and 1700s to how the city evolved and how it goes on today. We do not do first person. It's easier sometimes to talk to people that way and they understand more of what we're saying and they're more willing to ask us questions about the modern day St. Augustine and how it relates and the buildings and how they relate to old St. Augustine or colonial St. Augustine.
0: You had your hand in a documentary a couple years ago that used some of these living history interpreters.
1: Part of a documentary, it came out in 2016, and I was the casting director for that documentary. It's called America's Untold Story, and it covered from 1565 up until the Patriot Wars. It's a two-hour documentary on PBS called Secrets of Spanish Florida, and the four-hour documentary you can buy from PBS or Amazon, it's a four hour and it's called America's Untold Story. I used all our reenactors in that and it took us about four years to make it.
0: PBS is two hours,
1: so it's a condensed version of the four-hour documentary.
0: Maria, I meant to ask, you're a nonprofit organization. Are you also nonpartisan or non-political?
1: We say non We cannot be part of anyone's political agenda. When a question comes to us, we answer it as truthfully as possible, but not taking a side and not being political. We don't sugarcoat history either. So if they ask us questions that are difficult to answer, we answer them truthfully, and we explain to people that What happened back in 1565 and 1600 and 1700 was totally different than today's world. It was a different type of world. It was a different type of morals. It was a different type of survival. It's hard sometimes for people to understand how we can say how good something was or how bad something was and be still able to say it. But people have to understand totally different time periods. This is not a modern day world. This was back in 15. hundreds and when people are trying to survive. And it was a survival of the fittest. So a lot of times it's talking to people about that.
0: Apparently, our artificial intelligence overload detected the word militia in your group's name and decided that was just beyond the pale. Through no fault of its own, the historic Florida militia found itself banned from Facebook. What happened and then what happened then?
1: it happened was in September of last year, 2020. It was after an event and actually after the Founders Day event and we posted pictures and then the next week all of our pictures on the Historic Florida Militia site was gone. And that's a problem. Our name is Historic Florida Militia. And people mistake us for militia. But if they would look at our Facebook page, and we've had questions and we've explained that we are historical, we are not a militia, but that's what a person would have been back in 1565, 1600. They wouldn't have an army. They wouldn't have a navy. They would have been militia. It's difficult sometimes. And we did lose one of our sites in September. And my husband is the administrator of that site and he lost his personal page. He made another personal page and we didn't try and get... Historic Florida militia back. In December, we did what is called Navidad, which is a reenactment of Joseph and Mary and looking for a place to have baby Jesus and a living nativity. And we posted those pictures and then the rest of our pages went down. Cyril's men, Menendez, men, all those pages went down and everyone who was administrator of those pages went down as well. We kept trying to get it back. We had no contact with Facebook and then eventually Jessica Clark, who does the news down, here for First Coast News. She's read an article about this and it was on Monday night in January. What happened was they tried to get in touch with Facebook and they actually got in touch with Facebook, emailed Facebook and Facebook emailed them back, but then we got in touch with Facebook and we tried to explain what our organization was about. We never found out exactly why our pages were taken down. We were told someone complained about your pages and that's why you were taken down or you didn't follow the rules. And we are very careful about our pages. There is absolutely no political comments allowed on our pages and we monitor our pages. If people get into political comments, we delete those comments because it's just not good for us. Eventually, by February, we were able to go back and forth via email with Facebook and actually got all our pages back. But we are very careful about everything that happens now because we are really leery of losing those pages again. Our reenactments are transparent. They are true to what happened in that time period. And we definitely do not take part in any political Event and people know that we are nonpartisan people know that we are not part of a political agenda we make sure we do that and we're even very careful about our own pages on facebook to be not political
0: reminds me of that supposed mark twainism about lightning and lightning bug well, they must be the same thing. They both have lightning in it. I'm looking for a silver lining here. Essentially, you were banned because you have militia in your name. You must be trying to, well, anyway, perhaps the negative publicity about what happened to your group generated some interest in your group among people who might like to be living history interpreters, whereas they didn't even know you existed previously. We
1: have- that started this organization in 1981, they still reenact today. As we age as a group and organization, we try and draw more people in. So we have families right now with younger children in this group and it's good to see families coming in. It's definitely a family-oriented organization now. We feel that if we don't have some young blood coming in, there's going to be no one to carry on this history, which is a big issue for us. We really don't want the history to die. When you see our encampments, we have children in our encampments and we're strict about what goes on in camp.
0: I've heard the term historical reenactors, but you don't use that term. Apparently, you were also stung by the local city bureaucracy, who couldn't be bothered to contact you to find out who you really are and what you really do.
1: Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> we've been through a lot in the past two years. <laughs> we call ourselves Living History Interpreters. That came about as someone designated us as we That means you're actors. That means you're street performers. That means you can't perform on the streets of St. Augustine. So we lost all our battlefields and things. So... That's why now we switch to living history interpreters. We do reenact, but we interpret history.
0: Well, now I asked you about your group and we went into detail of the different historical periods. That, let's get back to the event that caught my interest and led me to invite you as a guest this week. That would be the Bicentennial of Florida becoming a U.S. possession. And historic Florida militia spearheading the interpretation in St. Augustine for it.
1: What's happening, our event includes an encampment at the Fountain of Youth Archaeological Park. We'll set up that encampment on Thursday. Friday morning it will be open to the public.
0: That is July 9th.
1: And what we are going to have in that encampment, anyone who portrays the time period from 1812, the Patriot War, the First Seminole War up to 1821, and Regency clothing. So it gives you a broad band of what went on at that time period. And in the encampment... We are going to have people who teach kids how to make ropes and they'll make jump ropes and how to make period correct dolls and cooking demonstrations, medical demonstrations. I do trade beads, which we follow back all the way to beads that were found actually at the Fountain of Youth.
0: What makes the Fountain of Youth an ideal location for this event?
1: Fountain of Youth is a great place to have this reenactment because the field in the Fountain of Youth is exactly where Pedro Menendez landed. We know that. We have documentation of it. We have artifacts of it.
0: Please give us a quick snapshot of the schedule of activities.
1: Friday will be an all-day reenactment from nine to five, and then Saturday morning will be an early reenactment. But by ten thirty, we will be downtown. At the government house, which is on 42 King Street, which will be the act of transfer where the Spanish and the USA would have signed documents. So we have Colonel Butler, who is the US, and Colonel Coppinger, who is the Spanish person, and they will sign documents to transfer Florida east florida to the u.s and the keys to the city will be given over to the u.s and from there we will form up a procession and we will march to the national guard parade grounds and there we will have the transfer of flag. we will have musket firings at the government house and we will have cannon and musket firings at the parade grounds will probably be an hour hour and a half long it's something that people will never see again and it's worth coming to St. Augustine to see.
0: In history, the sighting was actually at the Castillo, right?
1: Yes, it would have definitely happened at the Castillo. We know that there were a group of Spanish soldiers, probably about six, in the Castillo The cannons were fired at 5 o'clock in the morning, a 21-cannon salute, and then the documents were signed, and then what happened is the USA troops would have marched to the Castillo, and after a cannon firing, the Spanish flag would have been lowered, the Spanish troops would have marched out. They would salute each other, and then the USA troops would have marched into the fort. Another cannon firing, and the flags would have been raised.
0: Why not the Castillo, then, for this living history interpretation? The Castillo right now is still under COVID restrictions, unfortunately. Was General Andrew Jackson there for the handover?
1: No, Andrew Jackson was not in St. Augustine for the act of transfer or the change of flags.
0: How are you managing obtaining the uniforms for the Spanish from 1821?
1: It would have been the second Spanish period, which we are affiliated with a group in Puerto Rico who portrayed the second Spanish period. And unfortunately, they were supposed to come But because of COVID and they're just opening up, they decided not to come. But we have some people who do have second Spanish uniforms. Because of St. Augustine and the way it was, they didn't get the best of everything and they weren't come up to date. So we are using second Spanish period uniforms and we are using the 1815 USA uniform. And the city was good enough, right, really, to give us money to buy USA uniforms of that time period because we would never have had it. Other than that, everyone has gone out and bought their own clothes that fit into this time period. Just as all reenactors, living history people do, they always have clothing from each time period, and it's your own clothing, you, it's your upkeep, and you spend a lot of money. It's an expensive hobby. You really have to love history to do this. We will have Regency clothing. We will have First Seminole War. We will have 1812 and Patriot War, and Frontiers People.
0: 1812, Patriot War, and Frontiers People. Our listeners are familiar with those periods for Seminal Seminole Wars. The Army uniform changed from the dark blue to the sky blue by the time of the Second Seminole War. So, listeners who want to come out to this event to see... The old army and what they looked like should come out to this event. Or watch the highlights on YouTube later if you can't get there in person.
1: We will be because picture postcard that portrays this event is not correct. So these will be the true pictures of that event. So we are having videographers. We have our own photographers that travel with us taking pictures. So there will be a lot of documentation of this event.
0: After the street designation fiasco, that's quite a turnaround in support from the city. Kudos to them.
1: It is because we are being supported by the city of St. Augustine and the University of Florida. Historic St. Augustine is part of the University of Florida and they are supporting us as well. Important to them that we keep history alive and we do things on their property and they are very good to us about that, supporting us.
0: How much is this going to sit back a family of four? The event is free. Is there anywhere to park near the event for this family of four?
1: There is a parking garage in St. Augustine. There's parking on the street. I would imagine the street's going to be very crowded. There is a whole parking deck that you can park in, and there's plenty of parking all around the area. And with that Castillo still being closed, sometimes there's parking in their parking lot. Okay,
0: this is summertime. If a family of four parks where your people park. How can they get to the Saturday, July 10th event without getting heat stroke, moving from the Ponce de Leon area over to the governor's mansion?
1: Uh- will be parking up at the fountain of youth and we are transporting people from the fountain of youth to the government house so we will not be taking a parking class in town
0: where can i go to find out more information either about this event or about your group
1: you can go to our facebook pages several facebook pages there is an 1821 florida joins usa facebook page that has a lot of details on it our website has the schedule on it which is hfm.club
0: hfm.club HFM standing for, Historic Florida Militia.
1: And there is a heading for public events and if you go under that public event there's the 1821 commemoration and then if you go under the saint augustine garrison there is the 1821 i take care of the website putting up the entire schedule on the website a change of authority will start at 11 a.m at the government house and we figure we'll be to national Guard parade grounds by 11 30 the latest that will be the exchange of flags now the fountain of youth our encampment is free to the public through the myrtle street exit so 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 that means you can come into our camp, but you cannot go into the park itself unless you pay the fee to get in the park. That's the way they want us to work it. You can come into our encampment for free, and people who pay to get in the park will be able to come into our encampment for free as well.
0: What benefits does the public get from seeing this living history interpretation?
1: If you see people in clothing doing things and having those people explain to you what the process is, and what they do and why they wear the clothes they do it's more realistic to people and it will leave a better impression on people to see this in public. We have a school of the 16th century where we teach people how to use pipes, how to use crossbows, how to use muskets, different things, why we would cook the way we do. I believe people really need to see an event so that they can picture what it would have been like. It's very hard for modern day people to think about what life was like back in 1565 or 1600 or 1700 because they don't see it. So it's different than seeing a movie, see it in real life where they can ask you questions about what you're doing and why you're doing it.
0: With that Facebook unpleasantness behind you. How is recruiting going for the Historic Florida Militia?
1: We just did a big recruitment. Someone asked us to come down and talk to their church group and we went down and we were expecting 30 people and we actually had 65 people and what we did was we brought down all our information, we brought down clothing, we brought down weapons and all different accessories that we would use and explained our entire program to them. And we will support them. If they want to become part of our organization, we will support them. And what we tell people is you should pick a time period because these time periods are expensive. You have a different musket for each time period, different sort for each time period, different shoes, different clothing. So we say, pick a time period and stick with that time period. And we teach them how to dress a certain way so they can carry their clothing all the way through. It's easier for women than it is for men because men, their pants changed, their coats changed, everything changed with men. So it's harder for men to carry clothing from one period to the next, where a woman, if she's got a skirt, you can change jackets as you go through, and you can go from 1500 to 1600 to 1700 And we have clothing that we lend out. We're lucky enough to live in Florida and have a basement. I have a basement filled with clothing that people can come here and try on and see if they like it, and they can try events to see if they like events and see what they want to do.
0: Besides this event, Seminole Wars podcast listeners know that the three pyramids that entombed Major Dade's men and others from the Second Seminole War is in the National Cemetery at St. Francis Barracks.
1: I invite people to come to St. Augustine to see this great city, to follow us on Facebook because you may encounter us on a timeline saunter. We are willing to give anyone helping hand if this is what they want to do.
0: What kind of people from what kind of professions take up this living history interpretation craft?
1: A wide variety. I'm a retired operating room nurse. My husband is a retired policeman. We have retired history professors. We have teachers. We have firemen. We have policemen. We have housewives. We have all walks of life that come to us and just have a love of history.
0: People from all walks of life who come together for the common community's good almost sounds like a militia, a historic Florida militia. That sounds subversive. Don't let Facebook find out.
1: We take pride in what we do. We really feel that we are definitely tell the story of St. Augustine and the colonial time period as it actually happened.
0: Maria Alvarez, a fascinating discussion. Your group really does valuable historical interpretation. Thanks for joining us for The Seminole Wars.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to like us on Facebook at Seminole Wars Foundation. Leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Your reviews and comments help new listeners discover us and help us keep this show going. Visit our website at www.seminolewars.us for blogs, articles, news, books, events, membership information, and how to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the Seminole Wars Podcast. The Seminole Wars Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to preservation, education, and publication of Seminole Wars history throughout the state of Florida. This podcast is copyrighted. The Seminole Wars Foundation 2021. All rights reserved. Front bumper music The Devil's Garden. Roast 'em. Provided by kind permission of Rita Youngman. Back bumper music Second Seminole Win by Jed Merum and Ricky Pittman. Courtesy of Ricky Pittman. All rights reserved.